0: Representative Mark Takano is with us today. Congressman Mark Takano from California. And he is going to be on the Happy at Work podcast, which is all about positivity in the workplace, empowering workers, making people happier. And what better way to hear about a four-day work week? Like, who doesn't want to hear about that? So, Mr. Takano, maybe you could just talk a little bit about your bill trying to make our lives easier.
1: Well, um, my bill... Uh, is very simple. It, it is uh, a change in the, uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act, which was originally passed in the 1930s, I think 1935, around there. Uh, it was a New Deal sort of bill. It's the same bill that guaranteed a federal minimum wage, uh, federal uh, overtime uh, work rule standards. And also it established the 40-hour work week. Uh, Prior to the FLSA, uh, it was not uncommon for Americans to be working six days a week or more. Uh, And it was the product of several decades of activism and uh, demands by labor unions in the private sector that uh, the 40-hour work week came into being. And so prior to that, we didn't have a a two-day weekend. Uh, The two-day weekend becomes something uh, as a matter of law throughout our country uh, after the FLSA has passed. So my bill simply amends the FLSA, uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act, and changes the 40-hour work week to 32 hours, meaning that you earn overtime pay after 32 hours of work instead of 40. Uh, it does not mandate or require uh, that employers, uh, that, that they work uh, only 32 hours. People can work more than 32 hours. Uh, if that's what uh, uh, employers can still uh, do that, but this is that to pay time and a half uh, after 32 hours of pay. And so it's a very simple bill. Um, we don't mess around with any of the classifications um, or anything like that. Uh, but I have other legislation which you know, I've, I've championed uh, the fight for 15, a, fifth, a minimum wage of nationally of $15 an hour, which still hasn't passed. Although it's interesting, the labor markets have moved in that direction since COVID. Even, even you know, in restaurants and other, I mean, they've had to raise uh minimum salaries in the market the labor market without the federal government mandating it um because of labor shortages um i do have legislation which would raise the the threshold for um uh overtime pay uh and but you know the the law was really quite ingeniously constructed all these moving parts work together to try to protect workers set minimum standards um, and the 40-hour work week was revolutionary when it passed. And it's been 90 years since we instituted uh, a 40-hour work week, But technology has changed. Uh, people have become far more productive. Uh, and I don't think it's that radical to suggest that uh, in an advanced industrial economy, such as the United States or post-industrial economy, uh, we ought to rethink the workweek uh, and how long we work. Um, and. We'll get into many much more of that detail i guess in this conversation so that's my bill my bill is basically after 32 hours you earn overtime pay um and i think it will this will have a tendency to actually set a new mindset and a new norm about how long the work week is i i think it's so easy because
2: it's it's so elegant and simple and there's a lot of research that has come out of iceland that you're probably familiar with that they they basically took a 40-hour wage so you've been paid for five days uh, and you're working Monday through Thursday, you're, you're working that fourth day. And what they found is that they did have a, a small to moderate increase in productivity, uh, well-being, job satisfaction, engagement and retention. And basically the the goof off time, the OK, I'm going to hang out at the coffee, sh- the coffee machine that went away and it was more of a, a heads down library atmosphere. And I'm curious if, if you've seen that data and how you, how you respond to that, that people are just gonna just be working more efficiently.
1: Well, actually I'd had the bill drafted, uh, ready to go uh, it, at, Jan, for January of 2021. Uh, but I held off because COVID had, had just really taken hold in Los Angeles and had surged uh, in the country. And we hadn't had vaccine, wide vaccine distribution at that point. And I felt that the timing wasn't right, even at the early 2021, but the Iceland reports about the Iceland study came out around, I don't know, March, April, May, uh, in the Washington Post. Uh, And then my colleague, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez tweets out uh, the the study and says, do you think we're ready? I do. (laughs) And I said to my team, we better, we better get this all out there before someone else uh, takes the idea. I, I, I suddenly had the feeling, like, instead of being afraid that we would uh, appear out of touch, that uh, we were in a race to sort of uh, now make sure that uh, you know we that the, that my office would would be the one that would introduce it. And sure enough, when we did, uh, it got a lot of attention more than I expected. Uh, but my understanding is the Iceland study doesn't take it back to 32 hours. It's sort of shaved off like uh, four or five hours or you know, uh, off that. It, but, and they, they noticed they noticed no reduction in productivity, mm-hmm. which also mm-hmm. is notable. Uh, and that actually there was a kind of modest increase in productivity is what, is what I recall from the study.
2: That was yeah. it. It was modest increase. And you're right, they, they went to a 36 hour uh, but they didn't they didn't lower the wage. Uh, one thing that that I'll add in when I owned a money management firm years ago, I did a four day work week only because I was doing a four day work week and I didn't want my staff to be resentful. So what I did, which I didn't realize what a good idea it was until later, was I said, if you train your colleague to replace you on that day that you're taking off, then you can do the three day weekend. And so what I ended up doing is I got free cross training. And my entire staff became more capable they could do more things because you couldn't take your day off unless someone could do your job to replace you so the cross training was actually a benefit and i'm not seeing that in the media but but that is a benefit that i think is worth researching
1: yeah now um i'm pretty clear that in so i'm not sure how this this concept works in manufacturing uh in uh sort of nine Sort of professional settings where it's you were in financial services, Mm -hmm. uh, in the the service arena, Uh, and so you know, not altogether clear how this all shakes out. Uh, But you know, I I noted that uh, that Microsoft Japan uh, experimented for a summer and results were positive. Very well, yeah. um, That the question out there is whether or not. There's some sort of uh, I forget the, the term, but there's some sort of effect that they're trying to uh, compensate for in terms of the, the, the employees are aware that they're on some sort of uh, new program and that they that there's a bias that's built into how they're beginning to work, which makes this the study which invalidates some of the studies. But um, uh, but but you know the studies the the, the experiments have all been coming back. Uh, with some with some positive results so far, um, but you know I, I'm encouraged by that. I'm also noting that certainly in highly skilled highly skilled workforces, sectors like tech, where you have uh, coders and software designers and chip designers and people like that who are highly sought after. There's a saturation point at which, no matter how much money you offer them, uh, that starts to lose its its attractiveness. And if you know, if you're a huge company like, say, Google or Facebook, who can offer lots of money, and you're sort of a mid-sized company uh, that doesn't have quite as deep a pocket, you still offer lots of money uh, to pay people a competitive salary, but Suddenly, the, the four day work week uh, be, become you know time is just as valuable as say the comp- compensation that's out everywhere. But now, uh, so in the in the exempt for exempt employees that are exempt from the Fair Labor Standards Act, I, I find that these conversations what I'm here, what I'm seeing is that those conversations are most robust in those sort of labor sectors, right? in those, in those arenas. Um, I'm seeing it in healthcare as well, like, you know, highly trained doctors and pediatricians at children's hospitals, uh, human resources people are, are starting to think we, we need to hire more people because we're just not gonna get the same amount of hours out of people. You know, I mean, that, that argument may sort of offset, it may be offsetting in terms of our argument that it, the argument that people are just as productive if not more. Uh, but I, I think there's a combination of things going on, and I, I would mention another thing. I think the pandemic also created a new kind of awareness and reality about the importance of how much time, how much how much time, is valuable to people, um, and that the great resignation that has sort of emerged uh, out of this out of this uh, you know this new reality, is also I think made people more open to. Increased flexibility in, in the workplace. That uh, when people say, "Can I work at home at least one day a week as a condition of being hired?" That that's maybe a euphemism for uh, a reduced work week. It may not be they may not be saying <laughs> saying I just don't want to work five days a week. It's sort of being verbalized as, "Can I just have you know can we can we work at home uh, for one day a week?" And that's not that's happening in my own community. We we had a, a local city government. Call my office about what my policy was. Are we changing our policy on work at home? Uh, because they're the new people. They're they're getting uh, you know prospective hires. That's what they're asking. They're asking, can we can we have at least one day a week at home where we work at home? You know. So uh, I I think I, as I say I kind of read that as a euphemism for like w- we want at least four days you know one day off at home. So.
3: So one of um one of the themes that has emerged in the podcast while we uh, speak with CEOs about what is their their new kind of policy around work from home since the pandemic and well, what's emerging as a as a theme is the flex to give the employees the flexibility. You want to come into the office. You're welcome to come into the office. You want to work from home. You work from home. You decide. And when we when we do bring you in, it'll be for community or team oriented, collaborative events. So it does seem like there's a theme emerging where employers are realizing, CEOs are realizing that they have to give some flexibility to to the employee. But the other piece I'm really interested in um, is that along with terms like the great resignation that's come out of the pandemic, we also have the she session, right? So women were disproportionately affected um, and lost employment as a result of the pandemic. And uh, how could you see the possibly this four-day work week helping women who might need more balance in dealing with, you know, the household and kind of still dealing with the uncertainty of, you know, am I homeschooling? Am I not? And, you know, a day a week, we give them that extra ability to, to balance and stay in, in employ, stay employed at the same time.
1: Well, Tessa, um, I'll see if I can be, keep my uh, emotions sort of, Mm -hmm. even as I talk about, you know, my mother just passed, uh, about a month ago. I just, sorry. And, uh, I recalled her going into the workforce when I was age eight. Uh, amazing woman. And uh, uh, I recall that uh, she would put a full day full day's work in at North High School, and I had three brothers. Uh, I didn't go to preschool, but my younger brothers did. Uh, and she would come home after putting a full day of work and then come to a home that was nece- was not less than orderly home right
3: <laughs> with three she boys was, i have two boys i can only imagine <laughs> she
1: dinner and she was an amazing mom uh you know she was you know she was the secretary who really ran the school uh she emerged into that and uh and then after the service one of my uh, my friends from high school who, who he says you know that part of your eulogy really touched home with me because my mother was doing the same thing. She was working those long hours. And he said, she actually had to seek counseling. Uh, She was there was a time where she was um, needed help. Her mental health was at stake. And you think about 750 million Americans dying. A lot of them are elders. Um, I've been meaning to ask my staff to get a breakdown of this number. That's twice as many, nearly twice as many people, Americans who've died than World War II, we lost in World War II. And um, you think about who had to take care of, so you had women staying at home uh, to take care of families, the children whose schools were closed down, uh, the caregiving that had to go on to continue with the elders, the caregiving that had to go on with children, uh, just the amount of stress and strain that that was, uh, you know, boggles the mind. And, that one, and then as we try to, as, you know, the, the 3 million women who haven't returned to work, we think has a lot to do with the fact that we had all these childcare uh, facilities closed down. Those businesses just couldn't survive. And it's going to take a lot to get them going again. And so that's why in the Build Back Better bill, we have um, we have put in enormous amounts of money to do uh, what we call universal child care. Every family will spend no more than seven percent of their household income on child care, as a as a strategy to get child care um, up and running again. But I, but I do think when you think about women and families of a, you know a certain age, you got children, but you also got aging and elders, and you're trying to balance both of them. And I know that my parents were doing both. They were taking care of kids, and as we got older, even as we got older. We got out of the house. There were, there were elders, there were aunts and uncles, not just parents uh, that you know, that they had to also, they felt obligated to also um, look after. You need, you need flexibility to go and deal with the inevitable things that happen. Doctors appointments, um, going in and checking in on people at the, at the nursing home, if there is a the nursing home or people at home, the caregivers coming at home. So there's, there's a lot of juggling that families are doing. And I think there's a lot that frankly, government needs to step up and fulfill. I mean, this whole thing that's on the chopping block right now, or hopefully not on the chopping block is you know paid family leave. Um, my gosh, we, we definitely needed that during the pandemic. I mean, people might've been quarantined um, for 14 days. They might've had to be at home Uh, because uh, they've tested positive, um, or they were actually sick, (laughs) you know. Um, There was bereavement, there was um, funerals, there were just a number of things that we have a, we've we've got, I I think we've had a traumatized nation. Uh, And we we may be not, not recognizing to the extent to which the country has been traumatized by over 750 million deaths uh, a lot of those people, breadwinners too.
2: So my question is, is related to this and it's, it's moving a little bit into economic impact. And so I was thinking before we, we went on the, the call today, what would really happen with that, that fifth day? So let's say we're all getting that Friday off. Well, I'm not earning money, but I'm a, an American consumer. So I'm probably spending some money, but I'm also, so that's a good one. Uh, but I was also wondering, maybe I'm saving some money that I'm not needing, I'm preventing my break, my, I'm, I'm preventing burnout. So maybe I'm not drinking inappropriately that day and I have to go to a counselor to take care of that or I get a DWI or something. Would there be mental health and physical benefits by the fact that I've gotten a day off and I can go to my yoga class if I want to? Do you think that perhaps healthcare costs would drop? consumer spending would go up, and you know this more than I do, but where do you think the net economic impact of this might land?
1: Here's where I think we don't, I think we can speculate about all the things you've said. Mm -hmm. I definitely think, and as I told the story about my mother, um, and that was many, that was decades ago, but I I think things have gotten even harder uh, for people since then. she was she was at least able to put two of my brothers in in, in preschool. Uh, that the cost of that is out of out of whack. But I think I do think that uh, the emotional stresses of life do cause people to seek stability, uh, and they seek stability in in ways that may not be that may be harmful. Um, so drinking alcohol, um, even, you know, even drugs, or there's other ways in which people will uh, try to bring themselves back to stability. Uh, and an, a, a, an imbalance in work and life uh, and meeting obligations uh, that life presents to you, that, that's a real problem. And I think it does express itself in stress eating, people overweight, Uh, people, uh, you know, seeking some sort of way to stabilize. And so I do think that healthcare costs, we could actually see healthcare costs go down as people take care of themselves better. Um, I do think that, um, you know, we have currently Friday night for people to go out to eat and Saturday night to go out to eat. I I think Friday, you know, an additional night, who knows? I mean, I I do think that um, that the hospitality industry will also be changed. We could see recreation also be affected. Um, so all of those areas. Um, that may argue against what I'm also gonna put, put out there, but we know that um, the carbon emissions go down on weekends, that there's just less carbon emitted on Saturday and Sunday than the rest of the week. And so if we are able to get another day out of the week, where we realize um, just less carbon being emitted, that's a huge benefit, you know, uh, in the abstract for the planet and for all of us. Uh, so we know that to be the case. We don't, so consumer, so, you know, prior to the four to, the six to the, the five day work week, you know, the idea that you would have a Saturday off to go to market, you know, Saturday was market day. Uh, you know, that wasn't standard. Um, but now that we have, you know, an extra day off, uh, who knows what that will mean for consumerism and commerce. Um, and then there's another area, which is um, a lot of the faith community has shown up in support of our bill, um, which means that, um, you know, they view it as, an, as, an, as another day for people to be involved in, you know, uh, the church uh, and doing good works in the community Certainly, we, we, could, we could notice some impact on, on culture um, in, in, in different areas of the country.
3: So what are, what are some of the, um, what is the feedback that you're getting? So it's really interesting to see how the faith community sees benefit. What, what are you hearing from unions and other types of employee well, organizations? The,
1: the, the, the AFL-CIO and several unions like the UFCW have endorsed the bill. Um, I've actually endorsed it. Um, I've heard from people who run big charities in my community that they would go to the four-day work week <laughs> right now if they weren't worried about what their donors would think, you know, their are big supporters. And so there are people who, who feel like they could move in that direction um, if they could. Um, so I, from, you know, organized labor you know, they see it as a bill that's, that would give more leverage to workers. And, I, and I, in all fairness, I think it does. I mean, we're in a labor market, which is very tight. You see help wanted signs everywhere. Um, and, you, you know, uh, like I said, we don't mandate that people work 32 hours, but for that manager who's going to make a decision, do I have the ability to actually hire an extra person to work that day so I don't give time and a half overtime on that fifth day, um, or do I offer that time and a half overtime, uh, and ask that person to work that extra day? Um, that amounts to a ten percent raise, you know. For people, I mean, it's, it's it's so you can see how this is a, a bill that uh, it's a legislation that actually helps workers in a tight labor market, as we see have seen now, and and I actually see it as, as the exact time where you want to. To actually enact something like this, in, in and in a labor market which is like this, uh, because it will have the te- it will have the effect of of pushing compensation up for our our, you know, our workforce. Uh, how? How soon can get that that get done? Well, I look. I don't see this happening uh, like right right away. Um, mm-hmm. I I do. I will tell you that we are. Uh, that a major step forward has taken the progressive caucus uh, has endorsed the bill, uh, which is, uh, it's, we've, we've got a huge number, I don't know, it's like 90, 100 members of the progressive caucus in the Congress have endorsed it. Um, that doesn't mean every single member of the caucus is ready for, to vote for it, but it's a major institutional sort of uh, move forward. And I do think we are, um, I do think the way it will work is that I think some local governments and state governments uh, may try to race to to beat me and get it through the Congress, and we'll see it implemented at, at local and state levels before uh, we get it through the Congress. But that's, you know, that's that's kind of how you know advances in worker protection and workplace uh, quality workplaces. That's that's how it kind of works in our country. We 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 see it sort of move along in a hodgepodge fashion, in sort of all these laboratories, of democracy of the state. And, of the world. and
0: wouldn't that be good, Mark? Because then you could test it out and see if it works. So let's That's say right. you have a municipality say, "Hey, let's try it. Let's try it out and see." Well, then you could see what works and what doesn't work.
1: Well, I can imagine, like, like an like an industry town, like where you have a, a mid-sized, a small town, which is dominated by a large employer. Uh, that large employer decides that this is what they're going to do and you can measure the effects on the whole community about what it would do to the cultural life of that community what it does to the mental health the life of that community what it does for the uh the medical costs i mean we could start to do some control have,
0: have you tried that have you kind of reached out because that sounds like a brilliant idea
1: um, I have not personally, you know, called up a, a mayor or a corporation uh, to, or, um, but that's, you know, that, this is sort of the ideas that are, that yeah. I'm hearing. I, I have conversations with uh, advocates who, you know, we kind of think about these things, you know.
2: You know, I was going to mention when I was at Penn, we, we had a really great guest speaker that was talking about blue zones, which are areas in the world where people live, uh, like it's hyper longevity. They live, they typically live to be over 100. And actually there's there's one town in the United States, uh, Loma Linda, California. And I believe it's because they they have the, uh, it's faith-based it's Seventh-day Adventists. And it's their sense of community and their diet uh, that's responsible for it. But the person that's doing Blue Zones, he actually goes around to municipalities and shows them different ways within the community that they can create better work-life balance. And he probably knows some mayors that would want to do this. I think he's already doing Naples, Florida, but uh, I'm happy to talk to you know your assistant or whoever to uh, to try to make that connection. But I wanted to ask a little bit more about those endorsements. When I can see you, you're, you're running a whole machine. Like everything you do has like a little the lever up here goes down there, and so you really have to be really considerate. And it, it's like a it's a fun game, but it's your job. And i was just wondering if I could see the benefits of getting public health officials to endorse this. You know, from their perspective, I could certainly see like social media influencers. Ripping this up, I can't imagine any worker that wouldn't want it, but who, who are your dream endorsers if you could get anyone who would you really want to back this to say yeah he's he's we got to do what he wants.
1: Who would be a dream. um, I think when we start seeing major business leaders uh, step forward, if and I think it might happen in the tech sector, you know some major tech firm. Mm -hmm. Like. Like. you know, it could be Google or Meta or uh, somebody that's a recognizable sort of name, and they start to do this. Um, and even though their employees are likely to be exempt from the FLSA, the mm-hmm. fact that happens sort of at the kind of the prestige end of our, uh, of our uh, sort of worker chain, you know, where the, 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 you know, these are glamorous sort of jobs. Uh, that are highly compensated. That's that's a cultural signal, a cultural tone. Uh, if you see, if you start, if you start seeing Wall Street set that example. You start seeing. Um, uh, you know, I, I I I learned something when 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 my bill was announced. There was a, a CNBC piece that was done right. It just came right after. it was it was in the can. It was obvious that they had been prepared for this moment, and. Actually the, the, uh, the, the title of the, of the segment was uh, can the market, could the market operate on 32 hours a week or something like that. And I think at the one point the markets were open like for, six, uh, for uh, five and a half days or something like that. And um, Richard Nixon at one point, can, you know, uh, campaigned in 1952 for vice president said that he thought that the, that the four day work week was inevitability. Right. I mean, so it's, it's, it's not exactly a new new idea, but there may be a new receptivity to the idea. But I think certain leaders within the business community and certain major marquee companies, if they were look, so Kickstarter, Kickstarter is not the size of Google, but Kickstarter has made a commitment uh, to a four day work week, paying people the same and not working longer than eight hours a day. So it's not like yeah. you're working 12 hours a day. But Kickstarter has made that commitment. and um, John Leland, who I uh, who contacted me after he saw the bill introduced, I mean, he's leader of some sort of global movement toward a four day work week, right? And so um, uh, so we know that you know companies like Kickstarter, which has a which has a kind of a good brand identity out there, is like is is on this. And I, and I think it's refocusing. It, I think the, I think having people in the corporate sector do this would be really important Thank you and what about obstacles are, are there any
2: any groups out there or arguments that you've heard against this where you're like yeah we're gonna have a hard time overcoming that one any obstacles to, to this idea well, you
1: think? I, I think I think there's a mindset like from people like who are controllers of companies um, people who um, or the accountants um whose whole job is to like eke out more marginal gain and so you know they're gonna people who calculate uh how much you save by not paying people overtime and making sure you schedule people uh this way uh schedule people in a particular way i think that's so that's that's a whole mindset uh and you know well it like gets it's, it's it's not more than the mindset it's all been informed by how you maximize profits out there. Uh, So I mean it is it is a kind of a a existing incumbent inertia that we have to overcome uh, to do that Uh, and I think the way you know you you think about all think about how they got the 40-hour work week in the first place I mean it was, no, it was no less of a challenge then. Uh, you know, you think about the people who ran the industry titans of that age, uh, and, mm-hmm. and we still had people, you know, children working. <laughs> I mean, you know, early 1900s, you still had children working, and uh, forget about the role of women in the workplace. I mean, uh, we certainly have made some progress, but I think this is a moment where we can take a look at making a transformational move, uh, and I think this is look. Like, this is wanting to happen. I know the Japanese government is, has established some sort of guidelines to reduce the hours to even the private sector. Um, overworked people in Korea, South Korea. I mean, this is something that plagues a lot of nations. Uh, it affects birth rates. <laughs> it affects a lot of things where you have overworked people just not starting families. They don't have enough money to start families. Um, and they don't see when they can, uh, you know, they're just working too hard. So, I mean, there's something's got to give mm. at some point. And so I, I think, I think more people talking about it, the better.
3: So as we I know we have to bring this conversation to a close here what is your advice you know you've um from the from the storytelling of your mom thank you so much for sharing that and kind of how you've lived your own life and your career what what is some advice you would give to employers uh, who are trying to navigate, you know, a lot of burnout of their employees and trying to create a more positive workplace. What what are some things you do or what's some advice you would give to them?
1: Well, I think you need to invest in managers. Um, You need to invest in how they manage people. Um, I have a personal, I've learned something that it's, for me, a standard for me is to, is to hardly ever lose my temper with anybody. Um, real important to not have anybody who, within the management chain that screams at people. Um, you wanna, we you know, this, on the Capitol Hill, we have, a, you know, we rely on our staff uh, and our staff are more valuable than anything. And to keep your staff stable, because they have a lot of knowledge, and it's we we don't get everything done in one particular term in Congress. We have two years, um, keeping somebody around for several years who understands your agenda, your program, your your way of thinking. That's really important. So staff stability is important, and it's always a kind of. On the other hand, in a in a in a highly competitive sort of arena like like Capitol Hill, I always make clear to my staff that you don't have to sneak around if you have another opportunity, you know, if you have another opportunity, I will support you uh, in it. I will write the recommendation and I will, I will, I will make sure that you succeed. Uh, And I think, um, I think you want to create a work environment where people feel nurtured, uh, where, you know, it's, here, it's, you know, it's, it's about my interests, about my, what I want to get done, but I'm also curious to know what my staff is passionate about so that we can have them work on projects that, uh, legislative projects, for example, that they really are excited about and really care about. And I've had employees who've done amazing work for me, uh, who you let them go on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a project they really care about, they produce amazing results for you. So um, that's the you know that's the kind of positive work environment that I try to um, I try to create. Um, we were one of the first offices when the pandemic hit uh, to go full on distance work. That we sent everybody home and said you need to work from home. We try our our first our first instinct was to keep everybody safe and to do the right thing. And so we were one of the first offices to do that on the Hill um so um there are probably other things that i'm not mentioning you know i mean i have a retreat every year um i am always interested i've lately instituted instituted, you know uh asking staff to to make you know a five to ten year plan of their career and they don't have to share they don't have to share it with me it's not something that they don't have to show their cards with me But I want them to be thinking about what their current work means to their in the in the bigger picture for them, you know.
3: I mean, honestly, in listening to you, I, I would summarize that as you value people, and I think in a work uh, environment um, that has kind of played to the to the notion that everyone's re- replaceable right all people all workers are replaceable to know that no that's not true people are valuable and having that institutional knowledge is so valuable. Um, I think, that, I think that's really wonderful. So thank you for sharing that. And I know, I think Michael and Jack are gonna close us out.
2: Yeah, Mark, I was just gonna say, this is so similar to the interview we did with the CEO of Aston Martin that made sure that everyone was seen and heard that worked for him, that they were valuable. And he promoted them as much as possible. He, he I think he called it up and out uh, and everyone wanted to work for him because he knew that they were, they were gonna be promoting them. Uh, but my final question is, what can we do to help you? I think this is going to be such a great benefit for Americans if this could pass. And is there anything that that me, Tessa, and Jack could do to to push the word in your favor? What What could we actually do as-, as Well, you,
1: you work at a business school. Let's identify some business leaders mm-hmm. um, who will become advocates of it. Um, okay. That's, that's the biggest well, thing. I'll give Go you ahead. one off the top
0: of my head. I, you mentioned John Leland. And this might also give you some- some ammunition, usually talked about the progressives, but on the right, Leland was saying he can't compete to get the software engineers that Google could get. So he feels with a four-day uh, work week, he could use that as, as a way to attract and retain people. And that's a big thing because now it kind of levels the playing field. So people who maybe say, hey, I'm making a lot of money software engineer. I don't need more, but I want a life. I have young kids, whatever the case may be. And that's a really great selling well, point to
1: bring you to Kickstarter. That, that was my point uh, I was trying to make earlier that yeah. there's a saturation point of salary, comp of the amount of money making, after which it doesn't, you know, how, what more can you do to pay somebody uh, after you've paid them, you know, a, a really a lot of money? You Well, you can give them, you know, a four day work week. You can allow them to work from home. You can allow them to, like, work from a low-cost state I mean there's, there's a lot of things in the, in the tech space in particular and you know John's the one that gave me the idea that he says you know what what it may take is for a, a, a big like salesforce or or Google or or, or, or meta that's not Facebook anymore but um, for just one of those what the first company that does it is going to like force everybody else to do it well, I'll tell you, get it.
0: I'll, I'll put you in touch with this guy, Ryan Breslow. He's uh, the CEO, founder, young guy for this uh, unicorn startup fintech company. So it's like, I don't know, about $8 billion valuation. And the guy's like 12 years old. I mean, <laughs> he's like 20 something. It's amazing. Okay. And he, he's, he put forth a four day work week and he's been doing it for a while and it's pretty successful and it's working. And his thing is this you know, if you work four days and you give it your all, and then you have three days just to enjoy your life, take it easy. And so um, there's other folks like that, too. So we'll be glad to send you over some names of people to get in touch with, because it does feel and uh, I don't know if you got in touch with a- uh, Andrew Barnes and uh, Charlotte Lockhart and those folks, because uh, there's a four day work week movement, as you pointed out earlier, where it's definitely getting momentum and it's picking up a lot of people. Right now, there's a lot of these small mid-sized companies that are doing it but you could just feel the energy. It's, it's growing. If you look on social media and Twitter, you see a lot of it popping up, well, we're, companies I, doing this.
1: You know, it's interesting. Uh, we we submitted this, uh, an idea for a, a, not a workshop, but for a panel to South by Southwest. And they had closed down. Uh. <laughs> it, it was after the submission <laughs> date. And they gave me my own panel, <laughs> my own panel because they, they anticipated this was of, of high interest. So definitely forward those names to my yeah. office. We'll get in touch with them. Um and uh I agree with you. That I I hadn't I I fully did not anticipate the already happening movement and um we kind of you know the the, the we've been dominated by the infrastructure bill here and the build back better bill and all of that uh going on. But I think I sense that this is the right moment to kind of restart the
0: conversation. You know what? It is because you see not only a four-day work week, but what we're seeing, you know, Tessa, Mike, and myself, we're seeing flexibility, as Tessa mentioned, the workplace where basically companies and big companies, large companies are saying, hey, we trust you. Come into the office if you want to, but if you don't want to, work remotely. We're going to trust your judgment. Or complete remote like Twitter, everybody can work remote. um, Where like Zillow, if you move, they're not going to cut your pay. So let's say you're in San Francisco, but move to a lower cost area. They're not going to cut your pay. They're going to keep you at you where you are. So we're seeing a lot of these interesting developments all coming together. So I think the timing for what you're doing is perfect because the mindset, and we speak to a lot of people every day and interview a lot of executives. So even the executives are recognizing in a war for talent and a great resignation, you have to do what's right for your employees, because if you don't, you're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. And for some, are money, but some is time—days, a day off, less hours working each week. They're all variations of a theme. But I think, I think you're on—you're on to something. I think, I think this is going to happen.
2: It's Thank just you a question so of much when. for your time today. We're—we're we're, we're really grateful for. We know you're busy. We really are grateful for the time. Uh, this has we're, been
1: well. This is the first—I mean—major thing I've done, major—you know—interview I've done um, or participation I've done uh, on this topic. Since uh, uh, this last legislative sort of moment that we've had, and I feel like I feel like I have enough space to 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 try to fully resurrect this discussion, at least from my point of view. I know it's it's continued. I don't. I'm not the center of everything. (laughs) I realize that, but uh, I really want to thank you, uh, Jack and uh, Michael and Tessa, for this opportunity. Oh, our pleasure. Thank uh, you. Thank thank,
0: you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. And we're, we're behind you. So uh, we'll send over names in any way we could help out. All right. You know. Thanks. All right. Thank you very Excellent. much.
3: Excellent. Thank you so Take much. Care. Yep. Take care. Bye.
0: Bye, everybody.